Stay in touch is the message uh, title. 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And primarily the text starting in verse number 14. If you have your Bibles by whatever means that you have, whether it's, um, you know, a tablet or iPad or uh, happens to be your iPhone, take a look. There are Bibles in the pews uh, in front of you there. It says Holy Bible. Uh, it's hardback. And um, that is there or just perchance you have your own. And um, in my study and just continuing to study this afternoon, I, I wanted to I wanted to, I want to read starting in the sixth chapter, though it was not originally a part of my notes. Here it is, as, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So there is a huge window of hope that Paul is putting there, and when we get over to and begin to preach out of verse number 14 and moving forward, you will understand that in spite of their transgressions, Paul is saying here, hey, this is the day of favor if you stay in touch. Paul's hardships, he said, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles and hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speeches, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Paul has expressed his appreciation and expressed the challenges that he has gone through. You and I usually have two options as it relates to direction. One is God's Word. It will direct us. The other is our will. Paul shares some valuable advice to that church at Corinth. That church at Corinth had a reputation that may not be as bad as the reputation, unfortunately, of our culture today. He reveals to them the success as a believer can be altered negatively if they fail to follow God's wisdom. 
You and I both know in the contemporary society in which we do today, it is a bit difficult to stay on focus doing God's will all the time. It is, in fact, difficult in this culture that is so impressive and so influential to stay holy and believe in righteousness. I was thinking because I wanted to ask you the question today of, of things that, that we know that might be accepted behavior in our culture today. It might be accepted in the popularity of opinion among our culture, but here's what you will find if you're really living on the straight and narrow path, and that's the path that God tells us to go down, that straight and narrow path, then we know that your guide is not the popular opinion of culture. Your guide is this book here today. We know popular culture will tell you, just give a few things and, and you can decide for yourself, but it's not, it's not scriptural, not biblically approved to live together before marriage. But popular culture today says there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it is. Get contemporary in your thinking. It doesn't matter if you're 18. It doesn't matter if you're 75. Well, we're just living together. This is what we hear. We're living together because of Social Security purposes. And those reasons, I mean, after all, Pastor, we're 75 and he's 77. And we're just, we're, we're living together. Listen. It's still wrong. At least that's this book's opinion. So I could go down the line and say to you, these are the things that I look at, that we look at as a church all the time. And individuals who will call and ask and say, what do you think about? I had a call the other day uh, that uh, put it this way. Uh, let me give you a scenario. I said, and that scenario is what? And they went through the process of the scenario. I said, well, before I can answer your scenario, I said, here's what I want to know. Fess up. Are we talking about you or are we talking about a ghost? Well, pastor, it really is me. Well, I said, why don't we start there? You know, honesty is the best what? Sure. That's the best record. The best policy is the best. We understand that, that honesty is so extremely important. And Paul says, if you're going to follow God's wisdom, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do as I present this message from my heart, from the throne of God, I want you to think about some areas that in your mind, in your opinion, and maybe in your life, or maybe in the life of someone that you know that might be related or some business partner or someone that works with you, I want you to think about some, some areas of separation. We had, a, we had an individual that told Cooper uh, not too long ago that was at the Dream Center that they didn't, they didn't want to talk about working as one of the individual groups at Dream Center. Wave your head yes or no. We don't want to talk about hell and about people going to hell. We just don't like to mention that when we're out here ministering. Well, let me just tell you something, friend. Heaven is wonderful, but if you miss heaven, you will go to hell. That's the bottom line. And what I just did is against popular culture. You shouldn't be so judgmental. 
You shouldn't bring that to people's minds. I'm not going to give my life in ministry of 50 years of ministry and then decide to become lukewarm in the midst of the presentation of the preaching that I do here. I'm flat out going to tell it like it is right here. But I, I and others like me are becoming a minority. So I'm going to ask you to think about some of those areas to say, wow, I need to, I need to get, I, I need to bring that in. I, I need to stand up for what's right because this is what Paul is saying. So Paul said, hey, I've loved you. We care for you. We've ministered to you. We have had sleepless nights, hardships, beatings, on and on and on, all for you so we could present the message. But you haven't been, he says, that attentive to us. So if we're going to succeed in presenting this message, and this message works with power and might, we're going to have to plan and commit and to sacrifice. Here's what I know. All the blessings happens and begins to happen in me before often it happens to me. I have to program my mind, my spirit, and my attitude that I am more than a conqueror, not in my might, but through Christ Jesus. If I believe that, I will behave that. If I don't believe that, I will not behave that. I will alter my behavior in order to accommodate what feels good, what seems right to me. Bear Bryant, I hate to even quote him, but I will. He said, what matters is not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight, what? In the dog. And you and I have to determine what is in us and what is going to cause us in a culture that is almost filled with antichrist sentiments, how we're going to stand as an individual where you work, in your family, are you willing when someone says and shares an opinion that is so opposite of what the Bible says, are you just going to stand there and be quiet, not argumentative, but are you going to say, I just don't see it that way? So here's what you have to do in the culture in which we live. You have to get the right connection. 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Let me say it again. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can, can light have with darkness? How do you interpret that? I think there's only one way to interpret it, and I want to share that with you. The only person who can stop you from beginning and becoming what God intends in your life is you. The only person that can stop you from living a righteous life, the only person that can stop you from living a holy life is you. You just decide to say, I just don't believe in all of that. But may I tell you that at the end of the day, what's going to matter is righteousness and holiness. Those two, think about it. Paul is teaching the church at Corinth and endeavoring to get a lesson that they seem to have forgotten. So listen to him now. 2 Corinthians 6, 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you, and we're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. So he says, here it is. If you expect God's favor and God's blessing in your life, 
and you expect to be a man or a woman of God or a young person, don't be partners with those who reject God. Don't be partners. Right and wrong cannot hold hands. Right and wrong cannot hold hands. We often relate this scripture to marriage. Oh, have I heard it many times. Oh, you can't date her because what in the world? What in the world? Don't, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Are they a Christian or not? Let me just tell you flat out what I believe. I think every Christian young man ought to seek a Christian young woman, and I think every Christian young woman ought to seek a young Christian man, and that's just the way it is. But let me tell you, that's not what happens today. I hear parents say, well, he's a good boy. <laughs> Listen, friend. Listen, friend. Start at the beginning. You cannot have a Christian marriage unless the two individuals engaging in the marriage are followers of Jesus Christ. Period. We often relate the Scripture to the marriage, but it's not limited. It's more global. Paul intends to let them know, and he says this, the right connection will do this. It'll either create and lend and foster success as a spiritual being, or it will destroy and distract and guarantee failure. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. And the foundation for thriving spiritually, he says, holding to that which is good and pushing back that which is evil. So it's twofold. Don't just hold on to what's good. Don't hold on to the Bible, to the word of truth. But he says, push back on that which is not good. Don't do, he says, don't do anything otherwise. Hold to what's right. Stand for what's right. Believe for what's right. Be sure it's according to this word right here. And then push back that which is not good. Psalms 1.1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed is that man. Not a man who compromises everything under the sun just to get along. Numbers 33, verse 55, God said it this way. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. What did you say? Get rid of the false gods. Get rid of the people who bear a different testimony. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for gold. Don't do it for convenience. Do it because he said, if you endeavor to do that, here's what happens. The bad will endeavor to put things in your eye and thorns in your side, and you will regret it. You see, in other words, if good connects with evil, it is the good that will suffer every single time. Paul said, in order to be blessed in the future, hold on to God. Hold on to his unchanging hand. Seek his face. Stand that spiritual ground. Connect with the one at any cost who will give you encouragement. You will thrive if you partner with God. Hosea 10 verse 12 says this, so righteousness reap love. It is time 
to till the ready earth. It is time to dig in with God until he arrives with righteousness ripe for harvest. How wonderful is that? So if we're thinking about until messages like this come along, we do get weary in well-doing and we do melt down and we do compromise until we are reminded that there really is a way that we ought to live and a way that we ought to walk and it ought to be circumspect before God and it ought to be righteous and it ought to be holy. Say amen. Amen. I've been to movies and they begin to spin out the bad language. PG-13, bad language. Listen, friend, I'm not going to sit there. I'm going to get up and I'm going to say what's in me has nothing to do with what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing there. And my testimony is get up and get out. But I'm a loner. Well, pastor, that's just the culture today. Well, let me tell you, if we all melt down, what good is a church and what good is a preacher And what good is the Bible? What good is a testimony? And I suggest to you, I strongly encourage you, let's get on track. Let's tell our culture, you are not the wisdom. This book is the wisdom with which we function by. Here we go. Don't be off key. Don't be off key. 2 Corinthians 6.15, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Fellowship means sharing and participation. We share and participate. What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? He said he declares that the two do not and cannot mix if communion is going to be enjoyed. Now, how many have ever sat beside or you know of someone who just can't sing? They fulfill the scripture, a joyful noise. You with me? And you can take a person. I was raised in music. You can take a person who's tone deaf. You can take a person that does not know one key nor the pitch for any note. And you can give them an orchestra And you can give them a world-class song and you put a microphone in their hand and they open up and let her fly. I'm telling you, you'll see stroke after stroke in the orchestra and that song will crash and burn and everybody will applaud when they're through, not because of the good job they did, but because they're through. You with me? So here's what he's saying. Don't get off key. What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? So we understand they don't mix. You can have all of that, but the person singing is not on key. All the efforts of everyone else is just wrong. So Paul writes in Ephesians 5 verse 8, You groped your way through the murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. 
So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Figure out what pleases the Lord and then do it. What is he saying? We're the temple of God. We were created as God's habitation. We are the divine righteousness that flows in our veins. We are cleansed from sin and filth. We were set on God's right hand to sing the right song. Why? Why should we regress and get back into the murk that we were delivered from? Why should we do that? Why should we do that? We're going to sing the song of holiness, of righteousness, of purity, of power, and love. God says, when you start singing those songs, I'll give you favor and I'll give you promotion, and you will need to enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your curtains wide. Don't hold back. You'll need to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Number three, 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. That's what holy means. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now listen, I'm not perfect. Nobody I know is perfect. And if someone ever tells you that I am perfect, rebuke them. Because you know better. I have now confessed. (laughs) But because any one individual says I'm not perfect is not a license to live recklessly. It is not a license to say, since I'm never really going to make the grade, I just give up. That's not a license. You know what? The unbelieving world in which we live desire to see the real person of Jesus Christ in us. They do. The real person in us. Therefore, come out from among them. Paul said, if you have the right connection and you stay on key with the right song in your heart, here's what he'll do. I will walk among you. You say, I've had a bad habit of cursing. Well, when you got saved, God said, I'm going to give you the discipline to help you stop the cursing. Well, God, everybody's got to have one bad thing going on. So that's mine. 2 Corinthians 6, 6, I don't know where, I don't know if y'all are evaporated. I'm just seeing false faces out there, but I, I don't hear anything. He said, I'll be their God and they will be my people. The promise of the Lord. Now, how many of you believe that the commandment to honor your father and mother is still important? That's right. Do you ever hear that taught anywhere? Do you ever hear parents say, well, they're individuals and they have a right to do and say what they choose? After all, they are individuals and they have an opinion. Well, let me ask you this question. All that is true. 
They are individuals. But they still needed to be guided. And if they ever, sir, if your grandson or your son or your child ever disrespects your wife, do not laugh it off. Deal with it right then. That's your mother. That's your grandmother. And let me tell you something. You will never be disrespectful in my presence again. Do you understand that? Somebody said, you would really say that? Just give me a chance. How many know? Because if you disrespect the sacredness of the leading authority in your home, that child will disrespect every other authority and will be the ones to suffer. How unfortunate is that? Then we know, run to the end of the race. Come out from among them. Have the connection. Walk among them. The dynamic promise that God says, I will be with you. I want to walk with you. The fact that the fact is the heathen temple in Corinth had become a cesspool of iniquity. And that's why Paul's talking. He said, the very thing that ought to be pure, the very thing that ought to be righteous, the very place that you ought to have respect, that you ought to have honor, the very thing, here's what you've done. You've disrespected it. He said, it has become a cesspool. And Paul knew that the influence of sin was great, the pressure of ungodly friends, and the persistence of Satan's power. And he said, I want to encourage you to be proactively different and separate and mark for God's purpose. So he said, when you give your speech, may it be exampled by how you live and not just what you say. Let that be true. So, John 15, 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. He writes in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Be dedicated to the cause of Christ. Be dedicated to that. Paul writes in Galatians 4, because you are sons God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So don't live a double standard life, He says. Don't mix darkness and light, because He said if you do, you'll go blind. He said don't compromise your faith. Don't become faithless, and that's what will happen. But stand sure and stand strong. You are in a race. Don't quit. Don't compromise the race. But run until you finish and you hear the words say, well done. So, I will encourage you to decide what in my heart and what opinion do I have that I may have compromised or maybe I just, you know, who gives a rip? It's time that we stand and say, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
And we're not going to be launching out here, even though it's acceptable behavior in this culture in which we live. We're going to live for God. I'm not looking what I can skirt. I'm not looking in my life what I can negate. I'm not looking for an easier path. I'm not looking, okay, just give it up. What I'm looking for is a life that is walking in the straight and narrow way, honoring God and saying, God, what really, really convicts people of sin is the righteousness of the Word of God being declared and being lived out in a darkened world. Amen? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the abundance of your grace. We are unworthy of anything you have. God, we are unworthy of your favor, but you have given us favor. I pray tonight that you would guide us and lead us and minister and meet every single need by your Spirit. Just in case those who might be listening online and those of you here, I'm going to just give a short prayer and ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive my wayward way and plant in me a fire that cannot be quenched. I desire to follow you. I ask you to forgive me for any area that I have compromised my Christian walk. Lord Jesus, I've never really taken you seriously, but tonight I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And I'll ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have altar workers here. We're going to sing this one song. I'm going to ask you to hold steady, but if you need prayer, hallelujah. You know tonight is your night, and the Holy Spirit has brought you to this point. We will not move forward for a few minutes to give you an opportunity to come. So I'm going to ask those of you out here, just be whispering a prayer to give those who may need to respond to the altar a need in their life as we sing together. Can we do that now? Here we go. Step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made his heart of gold. All full of sin became more. We're going to wait on you, friend. Here I am to worship you tonight. Say, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful Here I am to worship, here I am. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your abundance of grace and mercy upon us. I pray that you would just give favor to every person here as we follow you according to your divine will. Help us remember this message. Let it serve as a wake-up call in all of our hearts. Let us just take one step toward you, slow and knowing that you receive us and love us. And that God, knowing that your provision takes place under the umbrella of your favor. So we ask you for that favor. And then, Lord, we pray tonight. Now, there's some that will go to the, the newcomer event and the food that's there. I ask you to bless that food. God, to touch the people that are there and let it be a wonderful few minutes together. And we give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you as you go in the Lord. So here I am.